Hey, welcome again, Bears fans. Uh, I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're back with another episode of Bear Scat. Uh, we're here to Jones for more Bears knowledge podcast and Twitter feeds, so you don't have to. Um, Jim, give them the stuff. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you get your podcast. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Bears underscore Scat. Love getting Twitter interaction with the show. So, Hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, leave a comment, leave a question. We'll address it on the podcast. Um, think, you know, as we continue through this offseason, it's no secret the Bears haven't done much recently. They've signed a couple players that we were talking about, you know, or sorry, that we haven't talked about yet. I know they signed a cornerback from Baltimore and a couple other minor signings, but by and large, the offseason's been pretty quiet, and I think we've addressed that, you know, over the previous few episodes. Kind of wanted to take this podcast in a little bit different direction, and it's actually a follow-up to something we talked about last week with Ryan, who, thanks again for joining, Ryan. It was really fun having you. Um, but we were talking a little bit during that episode about how the Bears are viewed nationally, kind of like whether or not they're an attractive free agent destination, whether or not we think players want to come play for the Bears, just based on the history and the city and all that. And I think a lot of times Bears fans think that the Bears should be a really interesting destination for free agents. But as I was thinking about it more, and actually as I was talking to, with my dad about it, I, I kind of started to think that maybe the Bears aren't that attractive of a destination just in general, because they haven't been good in a long time. They right. have not been sustainably good over the last 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, 1985 was a really long time ago. <laughs> and if you think about just where the Bears have been over the last 10, 15 years, it hasn't been good. And it also hasn't been interesting. It's a lot of kind of mediocre teams that you know, win six, seven, eight, nine games and don't do anything in the playoffs. You know, the couple times that they've made the playoffs, you know, they've been one and done recently. And I, I kind of think that from a national perspective, I kind of have a feeling that the Bears are probably out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, it, so like anything involving humans there's no straight line right it's it's messy so you know there is some of that certainly um but i think that one of the things that is helping is the fact that we brought in new management right and I'm, I'm not referring to Phillips or McCaskey. We all know we can't do anything about that. That's just the way it is. But the head coach and the new GM and assistant GM, um, is certainly to me as a as a fan of as a fan like you were saying for a long time. Uh, do bring a new level of excitement, at least compared to the last seven years. But right, overall, uh, even if you just look at the 2000s, it's fair, It's kind of bleak. Uh, I mean, other than the 2006 season, um, it, it, you know, there and and that defense of the early to the uh, mid to the early to mid late 2000s. Um, was pretty exciting, right? Uh, since then, it has been uh, thin. It was exciting for us, right? Because we're <laughs> Bears fans, and we love the Bears. We love Tillman and Erlacher and Briggs and Agunlier and all of the fixtures that were on that mid-2000s defense. But I don't know that those teams captured the national attention the way a lot of the explosive, exciting, offensive-minded teams do now. Like, if you think about a kid watching football, not in Illinois, you know, who are they excited about? They're excited about the Chiefs and Mahomes and the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and, you know, these exciting, fun, offensive teams that 
you know, just kind of jump off the screen at you each week on Sunday. And I always say that, you know, you switch from watching those teams to watching a Bears game that feels like you're watching a different sport half the time. <laughs> like, and, you know, that's not to say that, you know, those teams, you know, with Erlacher and Briggs weren't a lot of fun. And I'm sure a lot of people that liked, you know, old school smash mouth football, even if they weren't Bears fans, got into those teams. Um, but, you know, it's not like Brian Erlacher was a national celebrity, I don't think. I don't mm. think Peanut Tillman was. I think, I think probably, Erlocker, Erlocker definitely superseded the team. His, his jersey, his jersey sales showed that because um, he was his his jersey. Uh, most of the time, he was in the league was still around the top sellers. Yeah, that's interesting, and you know there are a lot of Bears fans, so uh, it makes sense because he was the best player on all those teams. Um, it kind of to me, I was just trying to think back because that was the last time the bears had, you know, some level of sustained success Right, was with those teams. You know, they only made the playoffs a handful of times. It's not like they were in there every year, but they went to the super bowl. They made the playoffs uh, the year before they, you know, got to the NFC championship game a few years later. And I was trying to think like who would have been the most exciting player that I think would have been kind of, a national level star. And the person I was thinking of was Devin Hester, honestly, of course. because he was exciting and explosive and people loved him. And then I started thinking like when Hester is at the height of his powers, like at the beginning of his career, like that was 15 years ago already. Yeah. Like guys that are coming into the NFL now were five, six you know, <laughs> years old when he was doing a lot of that stuff. So <laughs> it's just been a really long time since the bears have been interesting and exciting. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, not even thinking about the players that we all fell in love with as Bears fans, you know, going back to the 80s with Peyton and Hampton and Singletary and all those guys, or even going back longer than that with Butkus and Sayers, like the really, really famous Bears that we hold really highly, you know, as Bears fans. But I bet if you took a poll of just all of the players in the NFL, they have no idea who any of those guys are. Like, <laughs> maybe they've heard of Walter Payton. They've probably heard of Mike Singletary. They probably have heard of Mike Ditka, but they probably have no idea even what team they played for, or certainly probably haven't ever watched any of their actual game film. Right. So, so all that stuff was such a long time ago. And just the bears, just like I said, kind of at the outset of this, just over the last 10, 15 years of, not been really interesting at all. Right. And they haven't been relevant. Um, no. Now, that's not to take away anything from the all-time greats because, point blank, Chicago has the most Hall of Fame players of any team, uh, and they have some players who literally revolutionized the game. Absolutely. Um, so, not to mention, uh, their, you know, the coach-slash-owner uh, did. But... It is a situation, and I've even seen it in national media. Hey, Bears fans, uh, you know, the the 85 Bears was, you know, 40 years ago. You know, shut up yeah. already about it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we remember that the Bears went to the, to the Super Bowl in 2006, and I guarantee you not a whole lot of other people do, simply because we lost. You, you, don't, you don't remember the loser of that game. Um, you know, uh, but, um, we also, our teams were more relevant then because Erlocker was known nationally. Uh, Devin Hester certainly was known nationally. Right. But if you, if you strip away, if you put to the side, let's put it that way. If you put to the side, uh, that, that era, that's, that is a long time ago. And if you just look at since we are in a fans of a what have you done for me lately league um in the last decade has been a disaster unmitigated yeah. uh not fun uh not competitive poor product cuz i mean when it comes right down to it we enjoy this as entertainment and it has been poor product for yeah. a while so all we really have to work with, and I think this is what some of what we're seeing that anger on Twitter from is, you know, fans 
want something to happen, right? They they're 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 literally banging their fists. You know, we need something new to happen. How come polls? How come you're not doing anything? You've been in charge for two months already. What's going on? You know, and uh, it's like, guys, you know, this what we've just gone through has kind of all has kind of punished us all. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, it it has been bad. And certainly like my comments at the beginning of this were, weren't intended to take anything away from those great players in Bears history that you mentioned. I I love those guys. They're the reason that I'm a Bears fan, but do any of those players, you know, or that history matter to NFL players when they're picking where they want to play? I think probably not. Right. I mean, it might mean a little bit from the coaching side, and I know that when the Bears sign a free agent, they'll always say that, you know, they're excited about playing for the Bears because it's such a heritage franchise. But that's just something that their agent tells them to say. And they <laughs> gives a, you know, the agent gives them a note card and says, hey, memorize these six names and say them in your press conference and then, you know, move on with your life. Right. Like, <laughs> they they I, give I them the think... Bull Durham speech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so I, I think that really what you're talking about with uh, what have you done for me lately stuff. It's just the best way to describe the bears has been irrelevant. Like they haven't been good. They haven't been like terribly bad. Right. Like if you're going to make a joke about an NFL team for a long time, it was the Browns and now it's the lions or the Jaguars or something. They've just kind of been hovering in the middle of the pack there. And they haven't had any like, horrible national scandals which i guess is you know good like they haven't had urban meyer or dan snyder or john gruden or any of that stuff it's just kind of been uh meandering irrelevant team i think and you know especially when you factor in the idea that you know illinois doesn't produce a ton of nfl players in general a lot of nfl players come from the south they're from california or from ohio or you know virginia places like that you know, do they, uh, you know, the, the Bears, I think, are probably just pretty out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people. It's kind of how, like, the Dal- the Bengals were for a long time with Andy Dalton, I feel like. I mean, they had some good years, and they made the playoffs, but they never really did anything, and they were never really a threat to win a Super Bowl, and they were just kind of there. And I will... you see the Bengals on the calendar, and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, the Bengals. I don't really I haven't thought about them in a while. I don't really know any of their players, so. I'll plug in there, though, one of the things uh, that certainly is a draw, uh, and this is one of the reasons I believe that players go to play in Columbus, Ohio, rather than going to play in Texas or Florida or California when you're a top athlete, uh, is that the Bears are on national television every single year. In fact... They're usually maxed at the beginning of the season for national television appearances every single year. And it's simply because of the draw of the Bears fans and the fact that the team is in the largest single market for a single team. Um, Also, you know, I got to say, if I was a 20-something and I had hundreds of thousands of dollars... I can think of a lot less work, a lot less places that um, would not even hold a candle to Chicago, Illinois. Uh, that's a pretty cool city to be in. Uh, it's truly a world city, right? It's it's one of the it's one of two real metropolis. I don't count I don't count L.A., but um, I mean, so there is there is other factors there, right? You get to go you get to go live in this place and. You know, uh, I gotta. One thing I do have to, I've said this before, I gotta give a little bit of kudos to Virginia McCaskey because I don't know what it is with her, but players always talk about the McCaskey family, how they were treated by them, and how they were specifically treated by her. So I don't know what it is with, with that, with uh, what, what that comes down to, but I'm just saying. I, and, and I agree. That's why I'm saying this is kind of a mix, right? Because, yes, you're right, a relevancy is at probably an all-time low. Um, yeah. But there are still, there's still some intangibles for excitement that are there. 
you'd think so. And, you know, the point you made about Chicago is a good one. It's one of the best cities in the NFL. Like you said, a young player that just is making, you know, millions of dollars. It's a pretty fun place to live, I would imagine, right? It's a fun (laughs) place to live even if you don't make that much money. I just got signed to a contract for $50 million. Really? Where is it? In (laughs) Cleveland. You have to go live in Cleveland? (laughs) Yeah, it's like that's certainly one thing it has going for it, but like that's kind of about it, right? I mean, weather's bad, taxes are high. Like if you have a choice between Chicago and Miami, you know, and honestly, like the tax thing, it sounds dumb when you're talking about a guy that's making millions and millions of dollars, but like tax differences can be pretty significant. Oh, absolutely. Steven Stamkos, he's a hockey player, and he plays in Florida. And when he was a free agent, he was considering signing in Toronto. And I think Florida paid him $9 million or something like that. And due to the tax rate differences, if Toronto wanted to pay him the same amount, I think his contract would have had to have been like 14 or $15 million. Yep. So it's a pretty sizable chunk of change when you talk about Chicago taxes versus a lot of other places. And, you know, he only... Live, you only have to live there during the season, right? Like, right. I, I, I'm sure NFL players do go out in the season, but an NFL work week is like 100 hours a week, right? Like, <laughs> if, if you're really enjoying your time off, it's going to be in the off season, I would imagine, for the most part. And in the off season, you can live anywhere you want. Right. I have to imagine during the season, you know, an NFL player's life looks a lot like, you know, just – you know, they, they go home at the end of the day and they watch tape and they spend most of their day at the facility. And, you know, they probably don't really get a whole lot of time to actually go enjoy the city that they're living in during the season. So, you know, Chicago is great. And I think it, you know, is a place where a lot of people want to live. But it's really like secondary in my mind to just how kind of, you know, like you said, irrelevant the franchise has been. Right. And, you know, it, it's kind of sad to think that that's where the bears are but if we're honest with ourselves i can't really think that they're viewed any differently especially given the fact that like i said most of the guys in the nfl aren't from the midwest or at least certainly not from illinois sure you know if if you're a kid that grew up in florida or texas or alabama and you, you know the bears have kind of been out of sight out of mind and you know the weather's cold and you know the Soldier Field as, you know, a crappy playing surface. <laughs> taxes are really high. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a whole list of things that makes me think that right now it's probably a pretty unattractive free agent destination. Right. And so, you know, if you, like, if you look at, uh, if you, if you look at the fact that, um, that still there is a legacy though with Chicago that is unmatched. For one thing, there's just not a lot of teams in the NFL that are over 100 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, when you look at the when you look at that legacy, um, I, I do believe that there's pl- there's players out there that do recognize that. And like I said, the the fan base has to be attractive too. I mean it. There's Bears fans in every in every state. I used to live in South Carolina, and I went to a Bears bar in <laughs> South Carolina. So uh, you know, there's there's certainly um, a large fan base. But in in agreement with what you were saying, uh, between uh, the last regime and the regime before that, which was you know Emory, um, it's it, it's definitely been downward trend uh and you know uh there's there is something to be said for the fact that polls kind of needs to make a a splash Mm -hmm. well that's the thing right it's like how do you fix what we're talking about here and you know being really good obviously is the place to start you know that's a lot of work to get to it's not like the bears have not been trying to be good it's just (laughs) hired incompetent people um, you know, the quarterback is the biggest thing, right? If Justin Fields is good, players are going to want to come here. Yeah. If he's not, then they're probably not going to want to come here until you get a good quarterback. Yeah. So 
if you're a believer in Justin Fields, which I am, and it seems like the Bears are, at least at the moment, there's hope, right? It, it's not like you're going to be stuck in this malaise forever if you have a competitive product on the field and if you have a young, exciting quarterback. Yeah. We've seen that in other places. Like Players will sign up to go live in Green Bay, Wisconsin to play That's with right. Aaron Rodgers, right? So if, if you think you got the quarterback right this time, then hopefully that means that what we're talking about here will not exist after the next couple of years and the Bears will be a fun team that players are going to want to come play for and, you know, it's all better then. <laughs> yeah, but, well, and, okay, so right in that vein, okay, you, you just made two really poignant points. Points. Um, and the first one is Green Bay. Green Bay is the epitome of what you just talked about because no one outside of Green Bay gave a crap about Green Bay before Brett Favre was there. After Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, their popularity went through the roof. And people that had never even heard of the Green Bay Packers suddenly became Green Bay Packer fans, right? Um, and it'll be interesting to see, assuming that they don't have a third Hall of Fame quarterback in a row, uh, you know, how that plays out. Because sometime they're going to come back to earth, right? And they're going to have a regular quarterback like everybody else. And uh, I don't think those days are very far away. On top of that, the only team that has had more quarterbacks over the last... 20 plus years than the Bears is the Browns. So, you know, that that certainly contributes to what you're talking about, that general malaise about the Bears, yeah. right? Oh, another year. Oh, how many different guys are going to start behind center this year? And what retreads are we going to trot out there? And so that's why you and I have both been singing the praises of number one, simply because he, we said this all last year, was that he was the only exciting thing to really grasp, really be, have some genuine hope about. And that's the thing is right now, everybody is kind of sitting in this, uh, in this holding pattern because we want to see what the kid can do because last year was an, a big fat incomplete as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. And there's no other way to describe last year. And it was kind of, it was always like the funny joke, because like you said, the Bears do get a lot of nationally televised games. They do. And every time they're on one of those, everybody on Bears Twitter is like, why are we subjecting <laughs> the nation to this? <laughs> it, it has been such an unwatchable product for a good majority of even the last five years. Like, there were some glimmers of hope in 2018. There were some glimmers of hope last year with Fields. But for the most part, as far as Fields goes, like you said, incomplete is really the only way to describe it. And, you know, kind of to transition a little bit, and I think we've talked about this before, but I really hope we're not going to get to the end of next year, too, and also still be saying incomplete, right? Yes. Because it certainly to me seems like the bears are not going to be particularly good. And it seems like they're okay with that plan and that they're willing to accept a bad year in order I to kind of get, they the have to be though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think they're going to be bad regardless, no matter what they do. You know, it, 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 the question is, is like what I had hoped that they do is be bad, but score a lot of points. Right. Like, That'd be awesome. Science, sign some receivers and, you know, cut the defense down to it's, you know, cut the defense down as much as you can and, you know, lose games 40 to 30, but at least score a lot of points. But right. it doesn't seem like they're going to do that. They didn't invest in wide receivers. They it haven't. doesn't look like that. And I liked that idea. Yeah. And so, you know, it seems like the route they're going to take is let's accept a bad year and, try to clean up the roster and then it's all systems go in 2023 with a bunch of cap space and a bunch of draft picks and you know fine the concern there is then you've had two years of justin fields on bad teams and you know his rookie year was a terrible offense we'll see if this is a, is a terrible offense i would hope that it's not as bad as last year even though 
it's not going to be any more talented. It doesn't seem like certainly, but maybe with better coaching and, you know, actually investing in fields from day one of the season, maybe he can have some more success. That's the hope. And if that happens and if people are excited about him going into 23, then I think you will see some free agents come here on the offensive side of the ball because, number one, the Bears are going to have a ton of money to play around with. And the best way to get free agents in the NFL is to pay them more than anybody else. (laughs) Um, And, you know, also people, I think, are going to see an opportunity with the quarterback if he's good. So will he be good? It certainly remains to be seen. But And, you know, that is the solution to all of this. Right. And and while that's kind of stripping it down, um, we're not trying to present a bleak picture here. But for decades, uh, the team has hung on what is going on with the quarterback. And that... I think all Bears fans are just at their end with it. They're just they're they're tired of having to do this year in and year out. And you know this is this kid seems like he could really make a huge difference. You know it's it's interesting because just the other night I was thinking to myself, if he is as good as advertised, he'll be. Huge. I oh, mean, yeah. he will be a mega star, you know, because Absolutely. that's what Chicago can do with its players, right? Uh, and unfortunately, we've also seen the opposite where, I mean, I, I, I know I'm not the only Bears fan out there that felt like Trubisky got a raw deal. I'm not saying he was a great quarterback. I'm just saying I think he took more uh more damage than he 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 really was um responsible for and mm-hmm. while while you know that may or may not be the case depending on what your opinion is um i i'm what i'm hoping is that doesn't come to 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 fields and that we're we're realizing that what polls is trying to do is the is the what is what you would call the right way. He's trying to build the team in all aspects of it in a manner that will generate a good team not just for one year. That's what Pace's whole thing was, right? Every single year he tried to build up the team as okay, this is we're all in this year. We're all in this year. Well, you go bankrupt trying to do that as a business. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. He went totally bust. In fact, he went bust before 2021. He last last year was a joke. But you know, this time Poles is trying to build a foundation first uh and then uh, build it incrementally so that we're more like Kansas City, right? Kansas City, if you think about it, every year now, people are looking at them as one of the strongest teams in the NFL. Yeah, and that's largely due to the quarterback. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's kind of the lesson that you learn when you follow the NFL is that once you have the quarterback right, you figure out the rest as you go on. I mean, Aaron, or the Packers just traded Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the league. And I would be stunned if they're not still a top 10 offense next year because they have number 12. And, and his number two receiver. Yeah, and Equinemia St. Brown. <laughs> 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 um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is all too upset about that, though. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. I mean, Kansas City just traded Tyreek Hill. So if you have that quarterback right, you can kind of fill in the pieces around him. And I think Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes will both have really good seasons again next year, even though they both respectively lost their top wide receiver. You know, they're they're still going to be in the playoffs, and those guys are still going to make it to the Pro Bowl, and they're going to be really successful. because They'll still be top, uh, well, maybe not Rodgers so much, but... Mayhomes will still still be a you know a, a high pick as far as fantasy goes. Absolutely. So 
that's the hope. And we're in a better place now than we have been as Bears fans because we're still, I think, for the most part, optimistic about Fields. I think people are optimistic about Mitch, but I think if we had been paying attention those first couple of years, there were enough red flags that suggested that it wasn't working Agreed. as it was designed. You know, and like you said, part of that is certainly attributable to Nagy, but Mitch and Nagy, it just wasn't the right fit for each other. And Well, and I mean, that's not that's putting aside the fact that Pace made the wrong pick. It was a bad oh, pick. It, I, it I mean, you know, there, there's there's no other way to look at it. It, it. He shouldn't have made the pick in the first place because the kid had only played 13 games in college. You had a national champion quarterback sitting right there, you know. So, uh, it, it, but you know that's that's just digging up old dirt. But you know the the point is going back to what you were saying is that you know this is where we are now, right? And you know all we can we didn't get the picture that we wanted last year, and we all feel pretty hollow about it because. We didn't. He didn't even get a fair shot. I'm pretty sure you can ask anybody, and they they will say, you know, we don't we don't know what he's capable of because everything was so messed up. Yeah, the offense never worked here. Right. With how many quarterbacks? Five. <laughs> it, 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 and you know, none of those quarterbacks, with the possible exception of Mitch, are really that good anymore. I mean, we'll see with Mitch Trubisky this year. If he goes out to Pittsburgh and is a top 15 quarterback, then good for him. I, I don't think that'll happen. I, I, think I don't think that will happen either. Average to below average, which I guess would put him right around 15 if he's average. But we're, we're going to see. I, I think the fact that the Steelers signed him says something. That's a really smart organization. So, And you know that Mike Tomlin must have been involved in that. You know, oh, sure. now now Pittsburgh is also expected. They're one of the the teams that might be using a top pick on on a quarterback in this draft, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that Trubisky's agent has probably told him so. But you know, I do think that if nothing else, Trubisky still will be one of the top backups in the in the league. And so that he could might still be his career, and there's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Ask exactly. Chase Daniel. He's made $50 million doing that, right? <laughs> so it, it obviously goes without saying that it was a bad pick at number two, like you said, that's digging up old dirt. But, you know, like kind of back to my original point, when he was even in his first couple years here, there were there were enough red flags, right? With Fields, you know, you could potentially say there's red flags too, but I'm of the opinion, and I think a lot of people are of the opinion, that he was put in an uh, impossible position last year. He was. No talent, bad coaching, not given any reps in the preseason or in training camp. If he had been successful, it would have been a miracle. So yeah. We're going to see with Luke Getze, everybody – seems to think highly of him as a play caller. And I, I still think the Bears will draft at least one, if not two, wide receivers. And you've got Darnell Mooney here. And, you know, it, it, I think he'll get a better shot this year in terms of having success than he did last year. And the team's still going to be pretty bad, I think. Unless he turns out to be Russell Wilson all of a sudden, then maybe yeah, that, be okay. You know, that's one of the things, though, is that, that could happen. We okay. we all recognize that you know this. We're not taking a shot this time on Mitch Trubisky, and I mean that from the experience and the level of play that Trubisky had in college. His level of play was he he was only good enough to start his senior season. He wasn't able to displace a guy who ended up trying out for the NFL as a receiver. He was in, he, he couldn't beat that guy out for the job, right? And then, and then he played on a very mediocre team. And as far as his college numbers, they were really mediocre too. We're not doing that. This kid was, was Mr. Football in Georgia as a high school player, right? You know, he went to University of Georgia and they decided not to bet on him. So he transferred to Ohio State. Uh, that's 
<laughs> that's a pretty big deal. That doesn't happen very often, right? You know, he 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 beat down the national champion Clemson in in the playoffs. There, there, this kid has done stuff that really, if you think about it, no other quarterback we have drafted in the history of the Bears has done. I mean, really. There, we have never had a kid behind center as a new buck that has the resume that this kid does. No, not even close. There's not a lot of quarterbacks in general that were as successful in college as Fields was. Absolutely. At, at such a high level, right? Like like you said, at Ohio State, college football playoffs, Big Ten championship games, the resume speaks for itself. And everything that everybody said about him during the draft process is that he's smart, hard worker, great teammate, has all of the intangibles that you need to be successful. Now it's just, can you put it together? And sometimes guys fail just for no reason. They do. <laughs> like, it can happen. You can be in a wrong situation. You can get hurt. So hopefully that's not what we're talking about three years from now. But last year, I think in general, there was just so much going against him that I don't think anybody would have been successful. No. So I think they're, you know, the, the Bears hired Ryan Poles, who is one of the smartest executives by all accounts in the NFL. They hired Ian Cunningham, who a lot of people say similar things about in terms of his competence. So they have a really smart front office, if nothing else right now. And I think they're going to have a plan in place that even if the team is bad, which seems like it will be, I don't think they're going to leave fields out to dry. If they think he truly is the franchise quarterback, I think they're going to have a plan in place to develop him. Even if the team around him is bad and, you know, we're going from Ryan Pace, who never had the reputation of being a brilliant football mind. <laughs> when the Bears hired him, people are like, you know, he's a good hire, good member of the Saints front office, is capable, but I don't remember anybody saying this is a can't-miss GM candidate. No. That's what people are saying about Ryan Poles. And people, said, um, people said about Pace, oh, well, it's his turn. You know, I mean, you know, he was, he's one of those guys that was groomed and, um, and man, does he look like it, but I mean, that's why he will, I bet he will have a job in the NFL in personnel for as long as he wants to, because the thing is, is that he did hit on some guys. We can't take that away from him, but is he a GM? Well, if you look at the if you look at his time with the Bears, I don't think anybody objectively can look at his time with Chicago and go, "Wow, this guy did a good job," or even an okay job. You know, I mean, it, to me, it was an, uh, an utter disaster. But it, he did bring in some personnel, and you know, to your uh, to the point. There are some players that came in that it's kind of it's kind of interesting to look back at them and say you know uh, you know he was able to get that guy here but um, uh, you know uh, he he is though he is one of those company men that's a good that's a good term for him yeah I think so and with pace like you said it was a whole lot of nothing his first couple years and then he drafted the quarterback and then he went all in and he put all his chips in the center and he lost. Yeah. And sometimes that happens. I mean, you know, a lot of people like to say that if Cody Parkey makes that kick, then maybe the bears go to the super bowl that year. I personally don't believe that, but it's possible. And, you know, maybe the direction of the organization changes a little bit, but I don't really believe that. I I think we learned a lot about Matt Nagy after that to suggest that he wasn't going to be the guy like we learned a lot about Mitch Trubisky and that defense that year proved to not be sustainable. And right. we probably could have seen in that, that game. Time. Absolutely. They had a chance to win that game by just getting the Eagles off the field in the fourth quarter. And they let Nick Foles and Alshon Jeffrey and a pretty mediocre offense, all things considered march down the field and score a touchdown. Yeah. So it was, a fun year, and I think going back, you'd probably do a lot of the same things that year, but 
the decisions in the years preceding 2018 and the years after 2019, or sorry, after 2018, a, lo a lot of them proved to be mistakes. And a lot of it was trying to chase something that never really even existed in the first place. And you know what's interesting, uh, Jim, about about 2018 was there was there was a rise of false hope in that season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, you could look at that season. The, 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 the big heads who talk football, all of them were saying at the end of that year, you better not think that this is going to happen again, Chicago, because you guys had the ball fall, you know, bounce your way many, many times, and it's just not going to happen again. The team was looked better on paper than they actually were. And to me, that it was completely embodied in that playoff game. It's like you said, the double doink was just the really icky way to learn, to lose that game. But uh, you know, they played they played how the team the team's talent level really was. They played how the team's coaching program really was in that playoff game. And that was our first real taste of what the team was going to be. And I I admit it, in week 1 of 2019, you I would have bet a thousand bucks that the Bears would have beat the Packers. And they didn't. Because they oh couldn't score any points. Well, just remember that entire offseason was the kicker, right? Like yeah. Matt Matt Nagy brought in the fifteen kickers and had that <laughs> whole circus and was having kickers try to make kicks from the same spot that Cody Parkey missed from. And then followed all of that nonsense up by coming out in week one against the Packers and scoring three points, I think. Yeah. So it was a whole lot to do about nothing, as it turned out. And Matt Nagy saved himself a lot of criticism, I think, by really directing a lot of the blame for that postseason loss on Cody Parkey. And it, as it turned out, obviously the kicker needs to make the kick. But which is, which is really, lot, which is really funny. Because he should have just stood up and said, yeah, I know, I'm a total ass for getting rid of the Hall of Fame kicker that we had when I got here. Well, that was Pace, right? That, that, was, that was Fox and Pace that got rid of gold, right? Oh, I thought that, yeah, wait, you're right, I guess. Well, anyway, it was Pace, right? Uh, so, oh, yeah. um, so, you know... The, it, you remember they got rid of they got rid of gold and turned around and got Connor Barf. You know, remember so. the game where the Bears came in and Robbie Gold kicked four field goals yes. and that was like the only points scored in the game and they oh. beat the Bears. Oh, gosh. Yes. So you know, um, the the thing is, is that we we do we need an injection of excitement and. Right now, in the Twitter sphere and beyond, the Bears fans are not getting it, and it's upsetting them. So it's hard for them to look at what Poles is doing and seeing that he's doing the smart thing. And there's a lot of the prognosticators that are doing the same thing. And it's it there maybe there. Uh, well, like I, I read the newest um, article by Biggs today. And Biggs is one of the people, um, fans, you know, I'm talking about Brad Biggs from the, from the Tribune. But, um, you know, he's one of the people that has said, you know, we got to be patient about this. He, he's got a plan. I think so. I, I think that's I, I, the only thing that I can really say so far about Ryan Poles is he seems like a fairly methodical guy. And it's sounds like if you believe what he says that he's going to stick to his plan and he's not going to overreact and he's not going to let a uh, failure at one position like for example the Larry Ogunjobi thing where right. he's not going to let something like that force him into then making a second bad decision we saw that all the time with Ryan Pace that all was, the time oh, we missed on Adam Shaheen, so we have to sign Trey Burton to a huge contract, and that was a miss. So then we have to sign Jimmy Graham to a big contract, or 
and then spin around and use a second round pick on another tight end. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, Robert Quinn, we have to sign him to a huge contract because we missed on Leonard Floyd. So that's how you get yourself buried in the NFL. It's kind of like quicksand. Once you get yourself into that cycle, it's pretty hard to get out of it. And eventually it all falls apart. And that's a lot of what we saw last year with just a really old kind of roster that had a bunch of pieces that didn't really fit. And it was just trying to piece something together because you're trying to save your job. And that's how you end up with a old, bad six and 11 team or whatever. The well, I mean, so. even just look at, uh, at the red racket <laughs> who, who's like he, he's like 65 years old now <laughs> is he, can we talk about that too like how did andy dalton go from making three million dollars right. ten million dollars to now back to making three million dollars because like, of pace that's why what did, he see, what did he see to triple his salary <laughs> he did it. That guy just literally does not know anything about market value. I mean, because if he did, we wouldn't have seen it over and over and over. And I mean, he started it with Mike Glennon, you know, guaranteed Mike Glennon $18 million, who, for a player who had barely played. And when he had played, he had played poorly. So, you know, uh, it, it was, it was, that's the thing is, Bears fans, we got to remember, we just went through seven years of just total Bears scat, right? And now we've had the new guy for two months or three months. So it's going to take a little while for him to enact his plan. But I think the Bears team is actually going to surprise some people. I think that Justin Fields with this new regime and with some guys around him that really believe in him, I think that they're going to put out a better product. And let's not, let's not forget that there was other things too. We had our number one receiver was disgruntled. So he caught less passes and less yardage than Byron Pringle did. So, you know, that's, you know, there's going to, while, while there's going to be some minuses, well, not many minuses because that team was about as bad as it could get. There's going to be some pluses. There's going to be some positivity. And I think we've already seen that from the free agents that we have brought in. They're saying, I know they're saying some of the things they're saying, like you said, uh, like you said, Jim, that they, you know, well, their agent tells them, you know, I'm here because of that. I believe in the team, you know, but at the same time, some of that is genuine. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to hear a free agent sign with a team and say, I'm here because they paid me the most money and <laughs> no other reason. Like a lot of that, even though a lot of times that's probably true, you know, in the NFL, players oftentimes want to get every single penny that they can. And that's certainly the right to do so because football is very physical and every play could be your last. Right. So that's right. I'm not criticizing anybody for prioritizing just making the most money it makes perfect sense and i think most people if they're honest with themselves would do the same thing um but there certainly have been some encouraging things said i know the defensive end from the colts really seems to love matt eberflus uh what's his name muhammad right yeah so you know that's a guy that you know it's al quadine muhammad i think yeah there you go (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you need guys like that though that are gonna come in and buy into the program and be veteran leaders so that's good the tackle from the chargers justin jones seems to believe in Eberflus. i think bears fans are gonna love lucas patrick the offensive lineman so who came you know, who came because of our offensive coordinator yeah it's, it, and, and all that stuff sounds great you know it's not going to sound as good if the Bears are 2-8 and eight to start the year, which they could be, realistically. But like you said, I'm not ruling out the idea that they could be a bit of a surprise. Sometimes that just happens with the first year of a coach. You get a little bit of a bump because it's a new start for everybody and nothing that happened with the old administration matters anymore. And sometimes teams just win some games with a new coach just because. I mean, 
people thought that Texans were one of the worst NFL teams ever going back to last year. And they were really bad, but they played hard for the most part and they won a few games. And yeah. I mean, people forget Mark Trestman, his first year, the bears, I think went nine and seven and going into his second year, people had Super Bowl aspirations. That's that because game. he had arguably the best uh, offensive season in Chicago bears history. Oh, that's, is that even arguable? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly the best one of my lifetime. And then it all went to hell and he got <laughs> yeah. fired. But, you know, sometimes to the original point, you just get a spasm of competency in a first year just kind of because. And in the NFL, honestly, by playing hard and by being disciplined and not taking bad penalties – you can win some games just because that's just what happens in the NFL. We see it every single week where right. a bad team beats a good team. And if you can maintain that level of intensity for a 17 game season, you might get some wins that you're not supposed to. So we'll see. But I think by most people's observations so far this team's shaping up to be pretty, pretty bad. Just yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know what the, uh, over uh, the over is for their for their wins, but I would imagine it's probably like five and a half, um, and they probably will be that you know that team uh, four wins, five wins, six wins. I think it's like seven actually. Is it? Uh, that's pretty high, but but um, I do think uh, I I do believe that one of the other things that could help the team is. Nobody really has a layout of what fields can do on the, on the field yet. They don't defenses will still be semi unprepared for him simply because uh, the fact that um, they don't have any real good tape on him, right? Because it, this team is going to be completely different than the one that was out there last year. It just is, and. Oh, yeah. And I think that it will be a, I think that will be an advantage for Fields. If if you watched Bears football last year and you didn't see anything positive out of Fields that would make you think that he could be a top ten quarterback, well, you might as well not watch this year. But I didn't see that. I saw things that could make him a top ten quarterback, and I don't think I thought a lot of those things that I saw were deliberate actions. Uh, a, a product of his years playing football and his talent level, and I think that those are those are the kind of things that can be reproduced over and over again, not luck. Right? Seeing him make over the seeing him make uh, uh, accurate passes to receivers, putting them right in their hands is is a skill, not a uh, not a fluke. And so I think we saw more of that. Uh, that that um, reverse field uh, run that he made, uh, and then up the left hand sideline, twenty five yards to the to to Pater, that wasn't that wasn't luck. That was purely skill and 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 talent level. So I I think there's a lot to look forward to in that kid. I do too, and I certainly agree that the talent's all there. He can make every throw in the book, and. Obviously, like you said, he's not going to be running the same offense this year. Thank God. He's <laughs> going to be put in a completely new system, one that hopefully is designed to make him comfortable. I don't think anybody could ever say that about Matt Nagy's style of coaching. He never put players in the best position to succeed by my assessment. I don't think we, you'd we ever hear anybody say that. No. I mean, Mitch Trubisky had talent, too. Uh, he wasn't great at reading defenses, so maybe don't have him constantly dropping back seven steps and having to go through four different progressions. Simplify the game plan, and if that places a ceiling on your team, then that, that is what it is, but at least it's putting him in a position to maximize what he can do best. And Ryan Poles talked about that a lot in his first couple press conferences, is that the key to development is first figuring out what players do well and then maximizing that. And 
you know, kind of simultaneously take their weaknesses and try to improve on them. But the focus is on what does the player do well? Mm-hmm. The focus for Matt Nagy always seemed to be, this is my offense and this is what we're going to run. And if you get it right, then it'll be really good, but nobody ever got it right. And Trubisky couldn't run it. And by the time we got to fields, the roster was so bad and it certainly didn't feel like he was ready to run it either. And I don't necessarily think that's criticism of fields because I think it is a really complex offense that Matt Nagy's trying to run. And it hasn't proven to work yet here. Obviously, it works with Andy Reid. Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach. Matt Nagy is not. And, <laughs> you know, it, it remains to be seen if that will be successful anywhere else being taught by Matt Nagy. Because he'll get another job, and we'll see if he's a little bit more flexible or if he, he still is trying to stick to that one offensive style that he knows so well that yeah. nobody else can really see the grasp. So that's a long way of saying, I think that this administration, this coaching staff will do a better job of putting fields in the best position to be successful. And I, I certainly don't think you could say that for the past coaching staff. Right. And, you know, um, along those lines, uh, these, uh, these free agents that have come to Chicago, um, most of them, all have relation in some way with either the coaching staff or with uh, the general manager, assistant general manager. I've noticed that pattern um, as opposed to just bringing in guys like, I don't know why he popped into my head earlier today, but Buster Scrying popped (laughs) popped into my head. Because I remember when we went and got him and it was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> why, why are we bringing him in here? You know, because that, that's the way that's the way Pace went about bringing in players. Was he just went and looked up guys? I think I think it was like as long as they you know fit us some certain parameters, he, he was like okay with bringing them in. But um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, a perfect example, right? The guy is has the most. Uh, penalties in the NFL at his position. Oh, let's give that guy a big deal to come in. Yeah. So, you know. Like like, like I said a a couple episodes ago, when you're signing a player that the team that's letting them go is celebrating being gone, that's (laughs) usually a bad sign, and that happened more than once with Ryan Pace. (laughs) Yeah, thank you uh, for taking him off our hands. Yeah, we signed Jimmy Graham, and every Packer fan I know... (laughs) text me immediately oh. talking about how bad Jimmy Graham is. <laughs> oh, man, that was so awful. But, um, you know, that along with um, uh, along with the new energy that I see, um, one thing I will, I, I have called out before, and I'll call it out again, is uh, with Trubisky, is that he works hard. I have never seen anything but that reflected about that kid. And I love that. If I hear that, I'm I'm in their court because the thing is, is it's there. That means that they realize it's not it's not just about talent. You've got to work hard to stay at that level. And everything I've read about Justin Fields is that that guy stays after, comes early, is always ready to uh, you know get a, a workout or you know practice with teammates. Um, the he is a hard worker, and the coaching staff has already said, of course, you know, they're supposed to say things like this, but that, you know, we expect him to take a step. If Eberflus just point blank said that, we expect him to take a step. And he said that he, you know, he is doing the things that you need to do to make that happen. I, I think it would be a silly bet for anybody to think that that's not going to happen with this kid. We just are all waiting to see how big that step is going to be. Yeah, and you love to hear it. I mean, if that's true and if they're really that confident, then that's great. Um, It has to come to fruition on Sunday. And, you know, it, it might take a while, especially if the team is as bad as I think it probably is. But you hope that we see some of those same flashes of greatness that we saw last year, but 
more of them would be good. <laughs> you know, um, oh, the other the other quick point I'll make is Biggs brought up one thing, and I thought this was a really good point. You know, this group of guys that he's brought in, right, so far, the 10 or 12 players that uh, Poles has brought in, they're all one-year deal guys, right? You know, they're, they're prove-it contracts, right? Well, you've brought in um, about four or five guys who figure to be starters, right? And those are the guys that Biggs was saying, you know, out of this whole group, if two or three of those guys stick for real deals in 23, you've already made all of this worth it. And I I don't know about you, but I've looked at some of these guys and I'm like, you know, you and I have talked about this. These are the kind of guys who are like, yeah, I've had play behind, you know, X. So I never really got my shot. But when I have been able to get onto the field, I've shown that I can make some noise. I think we're going to see at least a couple of these guys stick. And that right there brings a lo- another level of excitement. Yeah, there's nobody that they've signed so far that has any obvious red flags, right? Right. Like, they're either very, very low-cost guys, call it like Equinemia St. Brown, like... I think people fire are fired up about that one because they've heard of him from the Packers. Right. If he had come from any other team and he had the same numbers, I don't think anybody would have even thought twice about it. I mean, he might not even make the team. Well, well the receiver position is such a high focal point anyway. Yeah. But, like, he, he could get cut in camp if he's bad. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. No biggie. That's a, that's a guy that you bring in and you say, here's a chance if you're not any good, we can find somebody else. And they're paying him basically the minimum salary. Pringle, you know, seems like a nice guy, seems like a, a decent enough player. We'll see if he takes a next step. But the point being, like you said, I, I don't think they're signing any of these players with the intention that they're going to be star players on the next Bears Super Bowl team. But if some of them are good and they actually stick around and get a longer-term deal, you need – solid NFL players on every good team. So if they think they found some of those guys, that's great. The fact that they haven't signed anybody like uh, Artie Burns or a Buster Screen or a Jermaine (laughs) Effetti or a Jimmy Graham or, you know, keep the list going, I think is good. They haven't signed anybody that you'd sit back and say, that doesn't make any sense. So I guess guess that's good, right? The, The fact that we're not looking at, major off-season decisions and shaking our head already, I, I guess that's a small victory. That, it it, it is, it is. I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it's a mid-major <laughs> victory because of, I mean, I haven't looked at this and gone uh, and, and said to myself, you know, wow, this guy is a piece of garbage. Why are we bringing him in here? But, man, did I say that a lot over the last seven years. So, um, you know, it... it 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 is it's a small thing right but small things build into bigger things and i think that's one of the messages polls is trying to put forward and flu seems you know it's like you it's like when he first came you said yeah he's pretty coachy <laughs> yeah. and he is right but you know what he certainly seemed very positive very pumped up to be here and I, you know what uh, that that for me right now is enough. I think so, and that's a lot of times the kind of coach you need on a right. rebuilding team is a guy that players are going to buy into and building a culture. Right, that's what John Fox was supposed to be. I don't think he really did that. No, but that was the idea. Was he, hey, he, we just he, got done. I think he was that in Carolina. Yeah. When he in Denver when he was younger, but yeah. I think he was on the, on the retirement tour here. But <laughs> that's the idea is, hey, we, we just got through a four-year circus where there was no discipline and no accountability, and it was just a disaster. Let's bring in a guy that maybe isn't thought of as a football genius, but is going to build that culture and get people playing the right way. And if you're not doing the things that you're supposed to be, you're going to be gone. And you know, guys like that can be really successful. You know, maybe Matt Eberflus turns out to be a great coach. Maybe 
he turns out to be just okay and they end up moving on from him in a couple years. But I, I don't think we're going to be talking about some of the nonsense that we've been talking about over the last couple of years. So that's good in and of itself. And I, I hope that he does well because he is coachy, but seems like a likable enough guy and players seem to like him. So you hope the best for him and we're going to see how it plays out. So uh, that's uh, that's uh, it for this week, uh, Bears fans. Um, our next two episodes are going to be focused on the draft, and we'll be, uh, of course, doing a deep dive just like everybody else. But um, but ours is cooler. So uh, make sure and uh, tune in. Uh, I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, uh, check us out on Bearscat so we can uh, answer some questions. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, everyone.